Welcome to Pathways. I'm Randy Brutkowitz. A common theme throughout our interviews on this podcast has been the importance of networking. Today, we'll focus on it. My guests are Lakshmi Prabhu, a senior PhD student in the Department of Pharmacology and Toxicology at the Indiana University School of Medicine, and Dr. Emily Blue, research assistant professor in the Department of Pediatrics, also at IU. They're members of the IU School of Medicine's Network In, a student and postdoc-led committee based in Indianapolis that provides opportunities for trainees in academic science to network with professionals in a variety of careers. What's the importance of networking from their perspective, and how does Network In help along those lines? Let's find out. Lakshmi and Emily, welcome to Pathways. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Okay, what is Network In? Tell us about it. How did it start? What's it all about? And who's involved? So, uh, I guess I'll start. Um, so Network In was started about three years ago. Um, there was a group of uh, students and postdocs at the School of Medicine who was really, we were interested in uh, expanding op uh, networking opportunities for students and postdocs. Um, and we knew that from our own perspective, networking can be a really scary thing and it doesn't come naturally to a lot of scientists. So um, we, we decided to make a, an opportunity or a, or a place for students and postdocs to kind of get their first uh, opportunities to network. Um, we started as, we didn't really know what we were going to do at first, um, but under the guidance of Tara Hobson Prater, um, a, a group of about five of us uh, organized our first event. So we had a networking event. It was about a two-hour kind of reception uh, in Walther Hall at IU School of Medicine. Um, and it was just, we invited both uh, students and postdocs, and we invited, uh, basically I invited my whole network of uh, friends who had gotten jobs at Eli Lilly and other companies in Indianapolis. Um, so it was kind of a friendly um, audience with a lot of uh, uh, past graduates of IUSM to, to give the postdocs and students that comfortable place um, to, to talk to professionals. And connect because they had the background of being School of Medicine mm -hmm. alumni. So Lakshmi, how did you get involved? So I attended one of their events. I think it was the second event which was held at uh, the new Neuroscience Building over on 10th Street here. Um, and I went in in my second year, feels like a long time ago, but in my second year. And just as Emily said, I am an extrovert, but I do feel awkward in those formal networking situations. And I just wanted to go out and exercise some of those skills early on when I didn't really need them. I didn't want to start when I was in near my fifth year. And I thought this was a friendly environment. It was in our campus. And that's when I was introduced uh, to Emily and Kayla, who used to be a former member and also used to head the committee. And um, that's when I, that was my first experience. And I talked to Kayla and Emily about getting involved if I could and they were extremely welcoming and that's how I started out becoming a member first and then since last year Kayla graduated and went on to do a postdoc and I have kind of taken over the helm a little bit but with Emily's <laughs> and our committee's help which comprises of four members right now I think yeah. How many events do you have let's say in a year or mm -hmm. and how often do you have them are they all at IU or are they different places? So we have, we try to aim for two, and we have done that consistently, one in the fall and one in the spring. And 
we have tried to mix it up where we did start off initially doing it in different buildings over campus. We've done it at R3, Neuroscience Building, etc. Even over at Eskenazi, which technically is still on campus at the Sky Farm, which is a beautiful location. And then we've also tried to venture out where uh, we were at a brewery mm -hmm. and more recently at Indiana Biosciences Research Institute at IBRI, which is about a five minute drive from here. So we've tried to mix it up so that there's no um, the same kind of situation that we are putting uh, the students and the postdocs in. Um, yeah. So these are venues that are around. Mm -hmm. uh, what about people who participate in these? You had people from who graduated from here, from IU, who ended up uh, working at Lilly or other places. What kind of people are you? Are you still bringing in those folks? Other folks? Can you tell me a little bit about the backgrounds of the folks who are attending the results of these these uh, events more more recently. Mm -hmm. We've really gotten a, a, a wider variety of, of attendees uh, in the last couple of events. So um, not only do we get people from industry, but we also get people from surrounding universities. So mm -hmm. we've had um, professors from Marion University and Butler University come. Um, and, and also Covance is nearby. So a lot of different, uh, I guess, uh, Bio, biology mm -hmm. related areas, um, but also medical writing companies. There are several here in Indianapolis um, that uh, some of the writers will come. So it's really, we, we welcome anyone who wants to come. Um, trying to think if there have, there have been a couple of uh, even vendors. So um, that was something that Kayla Varberg, our f former leader, she would publicize it to vendors or to sales reps. Um, so she was really good about getting them to come because those are also um, people that uh, are great to network with. So do all, in terms of the people, from, say vendors, they have PhDs? Or some do, some don't? Some do, some don't. Exactly. Some of them are masters, some of them are PhDs. It just it varies a little bit. So the idea behind this committee, this organization, the network in, is to give students, postdocs, other professionals opportunities to meet with one another, bounce ideas off one another for pre-docs and postdocs an opportunity to see what other kind of opportunities may be out there career-wise, whether it's academia or not. And it's nice that you're doing both, mm -hmm. which is really important mm -hmm. because some people even though it's, it's less common now, still people go down the academic route. Yeah. And that's really important. What do you think that the, the non-pre-docs and post-docs get out of it? So we're talking about the vendors, the Eli Lilly folks and the Covance, which is, a, for our listeners, is a, uh, a contracting laboratory mm -hmm. uh, company. And what do, you, what do you think they get out of it? And what kind of feedback have you gotten from them on these, uh, on these events? I think we aim to not only making a networking event for pre-docs and post-docs to connect with them, but also for professionals to connect with one another. So we try to promote uh, that kind of atmosphere. We have had events before we have, where we have exclusively had the first 30 minutes only for professionals and had the uh, academic postdocs and pre-docs come in after that so that they have time to mingle only on their own. And I think we've gotten feedback where they have valued uh, meeting other professionals. I think Eli Lilly, for instance, is very big and there are a lot of people that they network within the company, but I do not think that they get a lot of opportunities to do it across Indianapolis, for instance. So 
I think that's where their value comes from. And I think we've had also had a lot of alumni come in who just want to give back and want to connect with the students and because they have been able to make that transition. And I think each of them have had a their own challenges to overcome and get to where they are. And I think they have had an excellent experience at IU and a lot of where they are at right now has been contributed by people who are still here in the graduate division or uh, other alumni uh, that have graduated. And so I think it's just a feeling of wanting to come back and help the students where they were once in our place. And uh, yeah, so I think that's it's, it's a two-way thing where it's a more professional aspect to why they would want to be there and connect with other alumni, but also have a personal uh, aspect and a connect to IUSN, specifically for alumni, I would say. So for yeah. Network In, then, this is a very homegrown neighborhood type of thing where you have alumni meeting with current students, students. and postdocs, mm -hmm. but you also may have folks who are part of the companies or other, other professional agencies around, but they're in town, mm -hmm. who participate as well, whether they're alumni of, of IU or not. If I'm listening here on podcasts and I want to know as a, as a student or a postdoc or maybe even a, as a faculty member or graduate dean, or something, how might I help in the generation or development of an organization where I live? What were some of the advantages that you had and what were some of the bumps in the road that maybe they should learn about so they can avoid? Um, I, th I think uh, having a supportive graduate office was really helpful. Um, so that you know, we we started out we didn't we weren't in the budget or anything like that. So um, the Tara and the the graduate office was able to give us some money to um, to to be able to pay for some food um, to have at the event. I guess one of the challenges we have is that we since we have a very small budget. Um, going places or we really can't rent out of place. So it's been really helpful to go to places on campus because those they don't charge for uh, us to have an event. And also the, the brewery we went to, uh, we've gone to a brewery and a distillery and both of them said, you know, as, as long as you buy some drinks, uh, you're welcome to come here. Yeah. Um, so those things were, were really helpful for us. And and really, the, the, the biggest thing is to have the professionals willing to come in and, and uh, talk with our students and postdocs. Um, that's, that's been really helpful. As far as hurdles, um, we, I guess, we had a lot of questions at first, mm -hmm. um, so one of the things we did were, was have a survey. So one of the things we were concerned about was that um, people networking or students networking with uh, people outside of academia, that might be frowned upon. And so we were really worried about having a, an event on campus that uh, if they were seen by other faculty um, networking and, and perhaps you know, looking like they're pursuing an, non-academic career, that that would be a problem for them, that that might uh, get, get them in trouble. How prevalent is that, that sense? Because you are a postdoc, now you're a faculty, you're a mm -hmm. graduate student. How prevalent is that message in to, from what you hear? I think it's, it's hard for me to say because on a one-to-one -one level, it seems like most of the time there, there is support um, mm -hmm. because, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that there aren't enough academic jobs to go around at this point. Um, but 
it's still in the back of everyone's mind and you you hear about uh, different people you know getting a little bit of pushback so I haven't encountered it myself but I've had friends who've, who've encountered that a little bit yeah I think I would echo that uh, and since I have been here as a student since 2013 I have seen a gradual shift in the atmosphere where it the atmosphere has become more open to the idea of pursuing non-academic careers as I have been in the program so I think I've seen that transition happen which has started off from graduate division and then coming up with opportunities to network or have speakers come in who have transitioned to a non-academic career. And then I think it has maybe percolated to the faculty as well, where they are having those conversations with fourth and fifth years now, and a lot of them are saying that they are at least interested to explore other options, if not go down a certain option. And I. I would agree with Emily personally, uh, with my mentor, I've had the freedom to explore whatever opportunities I see fit uh, for my personality and my career research interests. But you do hear of uh, people having a little bit of pushback. So we have to take them into consideration. And the hope is that eventually the faculty understand that I think students and postdocs at least just want to explore options. Just because one goes to a networking event doesn't mean that they have made up their mind uh, to go into industry or let's just say stay away from academia, which I think uh, they are more concerned about. When I went, my whole intention was to just get to know of what is out there. I hadn't personally decided what I wanted to do. And that's the impression that we have tried to promote as well with networking that we are not trying to you know, lure people away or that's away from academia. It's just allowing a platform for students and postdocs in a comfortable environment to explore options and conduct informational interviews in a, in a more informal sort of a setting. So I think that's, that's where we are at and we've seen a lot of positive support and feedback from faculty and graduate division, but we always hear of some pushback and so we always take that into consideration but I have to say it's been less and less yeah. as the years have gone by. And the other thing I was going to say is we put out a survey so asking yes. the students and postdocs you know point blank you know would you rather have it on campus or off campus? Are you concerned about this? Mm -hmm. And actually most of them preferred to have it on campus at first. Um, so that's why we went with an on-campus event. It's just easier for I think them. convenience Yeah, is convenience is a big one because mm -hmm. some students and postdocs don't have cars at this point, so transportation can be an issue. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted, uh, we wanted to give them an opportunity, but uh, also in, in a place where they feel comfortable. And, and it, it really worked out well. Mm -hmm. In terms of the, the issue with regards to whether if you're not going down an academic route, then as a PI, oh my gosh, you know, that's, that's difficult. When the mm -hmm. perception outside, the lay, the lay folks, when they think about graduate education, they equate that as, as professors cloning themselves. Yeah. They don't understand, at least currently, that you have a doctoral degree and there's a certain type of skill set you develop that's applicable in so many different areas and they'd be surprised how many people they see on TV, how many people they run into on the street who actually have PhDs and they're scientists, but they're doing something different but still using what they learned, what they developed as skills in their graduate education and in other cases postdoctoral training too. Yeah, and I think this podcast is a great example of that because you've had uh, several guests who've ventured out into a more non-traditional background. We were just having a conversation with someone who's at a brewery. Um, I've had, I was telling you about one of my favorite podcasts was the 
the one that you did with a consultant uh, at McKinsey. So it's just, it's not a traditional route that you would think a person with a PhD in biological sciences would take, but they are doing that. We are doing that. And I think um, having this platform and having networking and having alumni come in and other people come in to talk to students would just help us to expand our horizons a little bit um, and help us to understand what else is out there and what would be the f correct fit for me. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but but when I was a postdoc, because I was at the NIH, and mm -hmm. so it was more than two years ago, but yeah, <laughs> I can tell we had a seminar series called Alternative Careers in Science, although that's considered to be a pejorative now. But hmm. we had people from, we had a CEO of Merck there, we had oh. a AAAS fellow, we had a liberal arts professor, we had Joe Palka, from N, the science correspondent from NPR, we had a patent attorney. Mm -hmm. We had a, a pretty wide range of, of, of folks there, and that was quite a long time ago. And usually you think of people like the NIH, well, you're all going to be professors, right? No. We're, and the purpose of that seminar series was to say, what else is out there? Right. What else could I do? That's interesting. And, yeah. I, and I thought that was, I, I wish I could take credit for the idea. It wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't but it was great, I, I think, for them. Yeah. So regarding the your your time in network in, what kind of things have been surprising to you? you? They can be pleasant surprises or they can be, gosh, I got kicked in the, in the <laughs> rear end on that one. I have one. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not personally for me, but ob observing certain people, I think we've tried to create that awareness that this, these events are not a job search event. It's more about talking to people and asking them the right questions to understand what they do on a day-to-day -day basis. It's not supposed to be where you hand out CVs and say, hey, do you have a job? And we've had that lack, and it's purely because of lack of awareness, I think, about these events. And we identified that. And uh, I remember about two years ago, Emily and Kayla had put together a couple of informational seminars talking about uh, how to network, really. And I think after that, for a couple of different uh, events that we had, we did not encounter those issues. So that was one thing um, that was surprising to me because that was not something that I personally would have thought we would have encountered. But when you actually do something, you realize that there can be different interpretations of a word, networking, or a networking event. And I think we did a good job of identifying those and uh, filling in those knowledge gaps mm -hmm. a little bit. So that w that was one thing that just popped up. Yeah, in my that, head. that was the other thing uh, that I, I agree with you yeah. that the um, the lack of awareness what networking is was was something that uh, I mean it it, it it is not something that is taught formally. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's modeled by um, PIs or, or the you know mentors, but sometimes it isn't. So. Um, so one of the things that, actually one of the things that preceded having a network in was uh, a book club that, a uh, leadership book club that uh, Lakshmi and I were involved mm -hmm. in. Um, and we read a book called uh, Work the Pond. And yeah. uh, it's, I recommend that for anyone mm -hmm. who is really worried about networking. It's a great resource and it, it really puts things in, in terms that makes it less, or less uncomfortable, uh, more comfortable and, and more doable to do networking. So I think that, that's the big one. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think we've really had any other issues. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple times we've had um, students come into the event, I guess, with 
I don't know, maybe they had a bad day or something, <laughs> and they come in with less than stellar things to say about either what they're working on or their life. And uh, so we've we really encourage them to, you know, put on their best face because this is, is while it's not a job searching, uh, formal do job search uh, sort of get together, um, you are making an impression on people. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for them to know that even if you had a really bad day, you need to put your best face on and you need to, at least for that, you know, hour or two, you need to uh, be really positive because that's going to to help you expand a, net, a positive network and you don't want to uh, leave a bad impression with people. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. also, I think, a, the fundamental lesson of professionalism, right? Which we also don't teach because everybody thinks it's it's common sense, but it's not common sense for everyone. Right. And it's easy to get burned, as, as you point out, if you're not having a good day and, mm -hmm. and you have less than stellar things to say, then people can see you as, as such and that's a, that's a, you can't, you don't get a second chance to make yeah, a first impression. Yeah, you can't undo and, that. And that's yeah. very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So it's encouraging that, that, that communication that you have to make sure people understand that this is not a job search. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to, to, to network and what networking really is. Because I can suspect that that would be very uncomfortable for the professionals who came mm -hmm. and say, oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, they bring their cards. To pr but right. that's just, yeah, call me if you have a question or email. You want to have a cup of coffee? We can t chat about these. Maybe you can tell me if it, any students or postdocs who've been to these events who've actually been able to connect with these folks and it worked out they got a job. Do you know of any? We have our committee member, um, our former committee member, Lisa Darby, uh, Dr. Lisa Darby now, uh, who started as a medical writer at Avant Healthcare last month. And I believe that she made those early connections at Networkin, where she talked to a writer who's currently at Avant and got introduced to the field of medical writing, which was earlier, and then she continued to explore it and realized that that's what she wants to do, and ended up networking more and more with the right people. Sarah helped her introduce to other people and had several interviews and had multiple offers, and then decided, got to choose which one she wanted to go with and ended up going at a one. So that's one that I have seen personally, seen someone's growth where they identified what they wanted to do going to this event, connected with the person which then kind of uh, expanded into knowing other people in the field and then eventually, not just because of that, but other factors coming together to get her to the job. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure specifically with networking, but I know that certain individuals, especially s some of the uh, professionals that come in, they benefited from networking. And so they saw an appreciation, or they had an appreciation for networking, um, and they got their positions because they were able to network with someone who was either a former colleague or, or even just a former, not even, I wouldn't say colleague, just like a acquaintance that you know, that they call those kind of those loose ties. Um, they were able to talk to them and say, express their interest in, you know, what, what the other person was doing and eventually moved on to a professional career there. Mm. So um, I'm not, I think this is, this may not uh, facilitate a lot of 
jobs. Uh, you know, we can't think of any, a lot of examples um, other than Lisa, um, mm. but I think it's more the, the getting that in their heads that this is an important thing to do. And as, as a former uh, postdoc had told me, so the, the, she, had, the, this former postdoc uh, in physiology had showed me how to network. And we, my first networking experience was at a big, um, big, gathering of a lot of professionals, very intimidating, um, lots of suits and not not informal at all. Um, but she had kind of showed me how to do it and, and kind of we stayed together throughout the event. And at the end, she told me, now you know you can't stop doing this now. And I didn't really understand what she meant at that point, but she meant, you know, this is the way that business works. This is the way that, I mean, even in academia, it's a lot of times who you know. So, you know, just getting to know different people is, is really important. And to think that people believe the seven, six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon is <laughs> not, uh, Real, no. but this is one of those uh, those examples of really even it could be an acquaintance that you never yeah. know how those chance encounters mm -hmm. or relationships can help you as you're going to the next level in in your career. Okay, Lakshmi, you mentioned that you're an extrovert. Yes. Okay, and and so certain things for you mm -hmm. have, are easier than for probably the majority in academia who are introverts. Mm -hmm. Uh, Emily, I'm not going to ask you necessarily whether you're an extrovert or introvert, but I know you're a nationally ranked swim or diver when you're at IU. Oh. You can't be that introverted to be uh, that <laughs> at that level. So how has your background? Because you had to you had to go in front of a camera. You had to talk to people when you're uh, NCAA diver. How did how has that helped you professionally? Um, I think it's. So I, yeah, I was a diver and a gymnast, and I think it gave me kind of the poise and the ability to uh, perform under pressure. And so, and and I did have to do some interviews along the way. So that um, being able to talk was was really important. Um, so that's that's really helped in in both interview situations and then also talking to people because um, you know you just have to be able to talk to, to different people and feel comfortable talking. And you don't have to talk science all the time. I think that's the, the other thing that people don't realize is that you know, you have to go into these event talking science. In fact, a lot of the time it's not a good thing to do because we, yeah. we ramble on about it. But uh, yeah, so I think that just the poise and the ability to uh, do stressful things was, was helpful. So all right, we'll get back to the introverts now. So we have introverts. The majority of folks in academia, everybody will agree, are introverts. Yeah. <laughs> we all know introverts. Yeah. What kind of advice would you have for introverts who really have difficulty getting off that wall as wallflowers, going out to, to show the poise, to take the incentive to go yeah. talk about whether it's <laughs> science, because like you said, you can ramble yeah. on, it's easy, you can have mm -hmm. a slide, you know what you're going to say. Right. But when it's something other than that, how do you approach that? I mean, one thing that I always recommend is, if, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, sometimes these situations can be uncomfortable, especially when you're starting to do them. And what I like to call as a buddy system, grab a friend, go in pairs or threes, and maybe grab an extroverted friend who can initiate the conversation for you and can kind of organically pull you in and then you can become a part of that conversation. So I think that has always helped and that's what I try to do as well because when we go to these events, we always have some 
folks that are not as comfortable and you can immediately sense the body language and we go out of our way to make sure that we introduce ourselves and try to see what they're interested in because at this point we've organized five of these so we know what the folks, all of the folks, the professional folks are doing. So we try to initiate uh, a conversation, introduce and then kind of leave so that they can have conversation get started. And I think the professionals are extremely nice about uh, pulling people in and starting that conversation and right. getting them out of the shell. So I think yeah. having a buddy helps. Yeah, I, um, I agree with Lakshmi. Um, yeah. The other thing I would say that uh, came out of the book, Work the Pond, is the focus of your networking. So, yeah. so part of the reason it's so uncomfortable is because it seems like it's very selfish. So it's me going and trying to maybe get a job from you. So that's the mindset that a lot of people come in with. Whereas in, in Work the Pond, they talk about making it more of a selfless thing, trying to find out what you can do to help the other person. And so by doing that, it takes the stress off of you. It makes it so that it's, you're doing something good, which, which makes you feel good, and it just takes the focus off you. And so, and the other thing is to ask questions. So let the other person talk. If you're not comfortable <laughs> talking, you know, yeah. just think of some questions to ask, and they don't have to be, you know, anything, you know, you don't have to show off your science at that point. You just want to have a conversation so that um, you get to know the person and, and maybe, you know, recommend a restaurant. That was something that Kayla always said mm -hmm. was, you know, if you can find out if they're, you know, if they're new in town or if they like certain restaurants, you could recommend a restaurant that you've been to in the past and have a conversation about that. And then that will kind of leave a memory, a positive memory that, oh, this person is really helpful. Um, the other thing that they can, you can do is uh, once you exchange business cards, link up with them on LinkedIn and send a, send a message later on, um, you know, saying, I really liked, you know, talking to you about this. Um, here's an article I found that, that kind of relates to it, or this is the article that I told you about. So I think pushing the, uh, I guess, changing the focus of the, the intent is really helpful. I guess the other thing, too, with that is don't just leave it. Right. Mm -hmm. You have those interactions. Don't just leave it. Where you continue those communications, you obviously don't go overboard and, and send the messages via LinkedIn three Every times day. a day. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, you keep that, that connection and mm -hmm. that's a little bit easier for, let's say, introverts who have to make that first step. Mm -hmm. And then the, first, the second step easier in the first step. The third step's easier in the Definitely. second step to go from right. there and to learn off people maybe who are more experienced or less intimidated. Yes, I think I agree. I think follow-up is very important and something that we do stress uh, when we talk to younger students who are coming in for one of their first events because uh, these professionals in the end are taking their time out of their evening to come here and spend time talking to you for 15-20 minutes and if you do make a good connection you don't want to email them after six months saying hey I met you at this event I see this job posting can you refer me. It, it really shouldn't be that and I think that leaves a bad impression in general and that's not what we are trying to promote. So we do stress on the fact that at least send a thank you email right after the event and that could be via LinkedIn. LinkedIn makes it very easy uh, to get over that hesitation of sending someone a cold email. So that's what we definitely encourage and as I mean Emily summed it perfectly where we come up with a common interest or something that they might be interested in more importantly and if you find an article or a restaurant or a coffee place or even a common sports team that you like, 
if they're playing, you just send a quick email saying, hey, I just wanted to catch up and share this with you, or oh, what a game last night, things like that. It all depends on how your conversation went, how mm -hmm. comfortable you felt. So it's very different from for each interaction, but we do definitely encourage follow-up. I think it's very important, and um, I, I think it's crucial to keep that the sanctity of the event a little bit like intact, I think. Right, I mean, I think some people too, when they have folks they meet and they, you, you mentioned this, I think, Emily too, in terms of their their sense, they feel like it's selfish or they're mm -hmm. using somebody. Right. Somebody you've not, you're networking with, it's the idea is it's help and be helped. Mm -hmm. It's a two-way street as right. opposed to being, taking advantage of somebody. In the end, it's you get in the you know, ultimately your career, mm -hmm. and you do what it takes to help you reach your greatest potential. And you require other people to help you get there. It's it's on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. And I'm just sorry to interrupt, no. but I think that you can look at it in a way where right now you there might not be something directly that you can do to help them. But once if you do get into industry, one day there might be a situation where they might need your help for something. You never know um, because we have a lot of young professionals that have transitioned two or three or four years ago. So they could be your future colleagues. And that's what you have to remember. You have to remember that someone helped you when you needed them. So going forward, either you could be a source of help eventually or you paid back as a lot of alumni do by coming back to these events and helping students like us who are are thinking of making that transition. So I think there are different ways how you can pay it back and um, a lot of us do. And we've had a great experience interacting with alumni who've networked and gotten to where they want to be. Um, and they've been great role models of coming back and uh, helping younger students trying to do that. Okay. Yeah. I, I have one last question. Is there a question that I should have asked but I didn't? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you could have asked us where to find us online, uh, and I could give a plug for you, but I don't know if she has a much more intelligent answer than I have. But we are on Twitter at IUSM Network IN, and I also wanted to add that we've recently started a blog on the IUSM Medical School website where we do write articles about networking. We've done some informational articles about why are informational interviews important, how to write an elevator pitch, what are the do's and the don'ts of networking. And some of the things we talked about, about not asking for a job or taking your resume, things like that, we've tried to address them in an article online. Um, and we also tried to conduct informational interviews, a format similar as this, but in a blog style with uh, folks that have transitioned into non-academic careers. So I would encourage everyone to go there and check out some of our articles and if they have any questions for us, uh, I think our information is online and they can definitely tweet at us, email us, and we have to answer those questions. So it's an important aspect to say that just because you're Indianapolis based mm -hmm. doesn't mean that people who are outside of Indianapolis can't interact with you, follow you on Twitter, oh, definitely. Learn, uh, yeah. take advantage of the resources that you've posted on the mm -hmm. website. There's no password that they need to have. Mm -hmm. to, Kind of, and, and that's also this question's an opportunity for you to be able to touch your subject, to uh, toot your own horn, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, how about you? Um, I guess the other question that you might have asked was how do students and postdocs get involved? 
And yes. it truly is just stepping up and expressing your interest. Mm -hmm. um, we, we currently have a committee of about six right now, but uh, we are open to having as many members as, as, as we have and uh, or, or who are interested. Um, so that's what I would say. You know, and if, if your institution doesn't have this, you know, talk to your graduate office, talk to your postdoc affairs office, and ask them if, if you can put on something like this because it's really not that hard and, and it's really um, it's really been beneficial and, and I think everyone comes out of it with a, with a, something positive. It just takes a little bit of time and yeah. uh, strong interest. Yes, and it, we also I think get to learn a lot organizing these things because there are leadership skills, organizational skills, networking skills, communication. I think a lot of things that we don't think about while working in lab are just organic skills that are needed for any job, whether you're in academia or not, that mm -hmm. we've been able to develop uh, by being a part of this committee. And also just uh, form a good network with our committee members. We get along really well and these are some of the friends that we've made for life. Uh, so we've just had an excellent experience working on the committee and as Emily said, it really doesn't take a uh, uh, lot of time because we are a great team and we <laughs> collaborate well and everyone does the job that they're assigned to do and so it's a well-oiled machine at this point. So I would encourage anyone uh, who's interested to be, just come and talk to us about our experience working in the committee and then decide if they would want to join. Yeah. So there's a way for folks to get in touch with you whether it's on campus or they're outside of campus outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, outside of America, because the podcast mm -hmm. is listened to around the world, too. That's yes. right. So we have an email address, an official email address for our uh, organization. It's inbio at iupui.edu, I-N-B-I-O at I-U-P-U-I dot E-D-U. And as I mentioned, we also have a Twitter account, which we check regularly. So if you tweet at us, um, we can you know, direct message and share more information if you want to take it over email or uh, we have our articles online as well. Great way to end. So appreciate Great. both of you being here. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks for having us. So I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Emily Blue, Lakshmi Prabhu, for sharing their story of the development of the IU School of Medicine's network in. And it's important for pre-docs and post-docs who want to network with professionals across the science career spectrum. I also thank all of you for joining us on this podcast today. Remember, you can find us on the Indiana University School of Medicine's website, SoundCloud, and on iTunes under IUSM Pathways. Also, in addition to the audio from our broadcasts, for some of our interviews, we've captured a video as well. Join us next time on Pathways as we explore various aspects of the career paths for professionals with a PhD in the sciences which landed them in their current and very exciting academic or non-academic positions. I'm Randy Brookings. The theme music for Pathways, Supernova, was composed by Aaron Brutkowitz. Pathways is a production of the Indiana University School of Medicine.